Worship Fertilizer, the what you need to grow in worship. It's brought to you by AdLib Music, who, in simple love and pure devotion to Jesus, is eradicating isolation and burnout so that leaders bear much fruit. Find out more at adlibmusic.com. Be a part of this podcast by submitting your questions and comments to podcast at adlibmusic.com. Here's your worship fertilizer. I'll just kind of tell you my story and, and what God took me through. Uh, I started uh, leading worship at a church of 70 people, and I stayed there for 11 years. And uh, Community Fellowship Church is in Lancaster, and we, we started a little rented ski shop and went from that to like outgrowing it and, and, and running a gym and doing the portable church thing and, and buying the truck and setting up and tearing down. Maybe some of you guys are there. And went from that to, uh, you know, actually building the building, you know, and um, our pastor and our, our leadership wanted to do that. And so um, I was fortunate to be able to, you know, help plan worship spaces and stage design and sound and all that kind of stuff. But the point is I was there for 11 years. How many people have been at their churches for years? Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. 11 years. The next place I went to was Hopewell Christian Fellowship, which is up near uh, Morgantown, actually Elverson. Hopewell uh, was different from CFC in that it wasn't like a plant church where we're trying to decide what we're going to be going forward. It was like a church that's been established, and if anything, it was like, okay, how are we going to redefine ourselves going forward? But it was a great place to work, and I stayed there for almost six years. And, you know, you guys can identify with the fact that when you're in a church for a long time, and you stand up to be worship, you kind of understand when you get up there what you're going to get, what your culture is in front of you, you know, week in, week out. Um, and I think therein lies the frustration sometimes when we talk about congregational engagement, right? Because they know all your tricks, right? They know your voice. In fact, your voice is almost like white sound. You know, they hear it every week. And... Um, now that I work with, with Dave here and Athlete Music, uh, I get that Dave doesn't go to church, by the way. We all know that, right? He doesn't attend church. <laughs> That's a joke, a little inside joke. But Dave gets around and he guest leads and, and consequently so do I. So for the first time in my life, I'm out of like my place I've been at for years and I go into these different churches. And it's interesting to see uh, like the worship cultures you run into. It just runs a spectrum. Some churches, I think, you know, they're used to somebody that points a gun and says, we're going to go into the worship of God right now, we're going to raise our voices, don't move. You know, and no one moves. You know, <laughs> wow, okay, no one's moving here. To the other end of the spectrum where, you know, it's like Cirque du Soleil, and they're jumping. <laughs> they're playing stuff, you know, and it's just like, okay, we got that. You know, so, and everything in between, but it's interesting. And, and what I'm saying today is not... There is no right or wrong as far as what it looks like. I don't want to define, you know, hey, it's, it, we do this and it looks like that. That's not what this talk is about when we talk about congregational uh, engagement. But what it is about is, is like a major, I don't know if I can call it complaint, but topic uh, of worship leaders, including me when I was in the church for a long time, is um, kind of feeling like you know, we've hit a worship wall or ceiling. You know, we do the same thing week in and week out. We have this, like, modern-day liturgy, and we go through the four songs, and we sing the, the words on the wall, and we sit down, and we've done our Jesus thing, and all of us move on. 
and nothing really um, engaging happens. You know, nothing, you know, you can kind of sense, you know, people's body language or whatever. It's kind of the same thing we did last week. When I mean, you're at a church a long time and you're doing it every week, you fall into these ruts. And it's frustrating because your pastor's heart wants the Holy Spirit to kind of wash over the place and, and through your worship, you know, move people closer to Him. You know, and I, I think that um, it's hard to find success in worship, isn't it? Like if we were builders, you know, we were building a house, we'd have a blueprint. And we'd say, well, look, it calls for eight-foot ceilings. I've got them there, and I'm using the building materials that the blueprint calls for. It. I am a success, and people can touch it and feel it, and it's tangible, you know. But as a worship leader, we have a blueprint of sorts in that we have, like, the order of service, and we can do that. Maybe it's on planning center or something. That's our blueprint, and we go through the service, and we sing the songs, and we, um, we do everything the blueprint says, but it's a little tougher to define success, isn't it? Because it's more subjective. We can't look inside of people's hearts and say, were they really engaged? And, you know, the cool thing is they can fake you, too, because we all know what it looks like to, to, to worship, right? So they could be doing this and be thinking about something totally different. In fact, I can be, too. You know, so. so it's a little harder to, say, to see, like, are, is, this, is this whole thing working? You know, is it working? Is, are people... Uh, through what we do, through our craft, going from, you know, a place here to closer to God, which is really what we are as worship leaders, right? We're like John the Baptist. We're just saying, look at him. As to me, that's what we do, you know. So, Madra, I'll just kind of tell you where I went in my 17 years with all of that. When I started leading worship at Community Fellowship, and Brian went there so he can probably attest to this, you know, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say I was the worst worship leader in Lancaster County, I really was. I mean, and that's not self-depreciation. That's true. When I started uh, with the 70 people, I think the only reason they didn't get rid of me is because they couldn't afford anybody else. And I, what I would do is I'd hide behind the stand. I'd raise the stand up and hide behind it so I wouldn't have to make eye contact with anybody, you know. And I, I led from keys, and I was glued to the music because I didn't want to make a mistake. You know, because to me, when I got into it, it was all about the music. You know, I just, I don't want to make a mistake. So I'd, I was there. I had this brother in the church... Daryl, you remember Daryl, who would speak truth to me all the time. He'd come up and say, you know, Rick, I think you're the worship leader, but no one would know that because you never look up. So I said, okay, um, thank you, Daryl. What I'll do then is I'll learn the music better so I can look up more, you know, and, and, and I did that, you know, and I, I challenged myself and I challenged the team, guys, let's, let's, let's learn the music better. So did that, I looked up more. Buddy Daryl says, Rick, that's great, you look like a bobblehead, you know, you're up and down. But you're really not connecting yet, you know? So I was getting upset by this. I was saying, you know, I can't connect. And uh, I guess the secret is to really know your music and just be untethered from the music altogether. I've been to these big churches. These cats don't even have stands there, man. They're just, they're just free to look out. So I challenged myself, challenged my team. Look, guys, let's get, let's get to the point where we don't have to look down at all. You know, you can have your music stand there kind of as a, a reference every now and then. But please... Let's get beyond, you know, the page. So we did that. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Um, what I saw when I looked up was, you know, people observing. You know, even looking up, there was, there was like a missing link. We really knew the music. And we could cover the music really well. 
And it's at that point I said, you know what? It must be something beyond the music, you know? And I, I don't want to minimize preparedness musically, first of all, before we move on. When, when, when we have good worship teams and we know what we're, uh, we're playing, it kind of gives us credibility, you know, and people, people then follow us and they listen. It also gets us out of the way, you know, of, um, I mean, I'm not sitting there thinking when they're going to make the next mistake. You know, if you, have you been to, to a wedding where, where whoever's playing the special music, let's just say it's a trumpet player, is obviously a friend of the bride or groom from high school, right? <laughs> And you can tell when they're playing that they have not had that trumpet out of the case since high school. And, you know, she's coming down the aisle, and there, he's playing trumpet volunteer, and he's leaving everything like a couple pennies short. You know, he just his lips are gone. And you're about as far away from being, you know, like the holy matrimony, the wedding, and the union of your friends, because you're just thinking, is this sucker going to make it to the song? You know? And, and, and that's... That's just the deal with, with worship teams. We don't want to be, through our lack of preparedness, a distraction to worship. So I'm not saying any of that. It was good that we got good at music. But what I'm saying is there's a guy that can walk in tomorrow and can be better at music than you are. And if leading worship was all about doing music really well, it would go to that point and die. And some of your churches are that way. Ours was. You know, it went to the end of where music could take it and just died. You know, there was nothing else going on other than the music. So we had some people clapping and tapping. But as far as, you know, worship and life change as a result of what we were doing, there wasn't much going on. So I prayed and I said, God, you know, I don't know what I'm missing, but I want you to show me what I'm missing. Will you take me to that next level? And I don't know how the Holy Spirit works in your life. To me, it's never like one big epiphany where it's like, Rick, I want you to do this, you know, when you lead worship. You know, it's not that. It's a lot of little, like, little still small voice lessons that stack up. So what I'm going to do is just, um, I'm going to go through like two or three lessons that God gave me. And this is where, it's just my story, you know. Everybody here is different. Everybody has a different gift mix. But this is what it took me through, and maybe you can identify with some of that. One lesson I learned... I remember I was at a seminar, and at the seminar, you know, you have speaker after speaker after speaker, kind of like today, you know, except this was like some big leadership thing. And I remember sitting there thinking, uh, you know, all these speakers have great content. You know, the content is there for everyone. I'm taking notes. But um, some of the speakers drew you in. You know, they just drew you in by their craft. Other speakers just drew you to the watch. You know, like, when are they done? And... God kind of tapped me short and said, you know, can you apply this lesson to worship somehow? You know, what is it about that speaker that's good, you know, content being equal, that you want to listen to him, and this guy here is just like, eh. And can you apply that to worship? In other words, if the content is music, you know, what it is about one worship leader you want to listen to and the other one you don't? The good speaker, he used, you could tell he obviously honed his craft. He used pregnant pauses. He used inflections, you know, and he cared enough about his listeners to say, hey, are you with me? Did you get that? You know, he didn't just blow right by it. Okay, a good worship leader. You know, he, he, he cares enough about his congregation to say, do you know that chorus? Let's do that again. Can we do that a cappella? 
You know, can we, can we get beyond the music so we can actually worship to it? Do we take time to do that? Um, the guy that wasn't as good, you could tell, just kind of mailed it in, you know? And he didn't have any passion. He was, he was counting on his, his content to kind of carry his speech, like a musician who just plays the song. And, you know, the song will take it to a certain level, but that's it, right? The content of that bad speaker took it to a certain level, but that was kind of it. And I was thinking like Martin Luther King, right? What if he did that? Like, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last, thank you. You know, <laughs> that wouldn't work, right? He added passion. So out of that, you know, God said, you know, I want you to add some passion, and I want you to add some compassion. Those two things are kind of missing from your, from your mix here now. You know, you do get the music thing, okay, the music's fine. But do you have passion? You know, Brad was talking about um, Romans 12. Romans 12, 8 says, if you lead, uh, lead zealously. You know, don't, don't just leave it. Lead zealously. Do you lead zealously? Or do you just kind of do your four songs and out? I think a lot of times I wanted greater con- congregational involvement. I wanted them to get passionate about, you know, what they were singing, jump out of their comfort zones, but I wasn't willing to do that myself, you know? I wasn't taking any risks myself. And so um, that was lesson, lesson number one. Like, boring worship is that war with zealous worship, you know? So if my worship is, is boring, if nothing's happening in the room, and I'm the leader, who does that kind of fall? Well, that kind of falls on me. And God was saying, you know, like, think about what you do and find ways to make, it, to make me more famous in better ways, you know? What, what do you need to do that? to lead my people. The second lesson uh, was about compassion. It's like you're not leading music, you're leading people. Do you feel for them? Brian kind of stole my thumb there, but like, do you think about what they go through to, just to get there in the morning, you know? Have you ever been off a week? You know, you guys are to lead like every week, and you get a week off. <laughs> I know, someone, no, I've never been off, you know, I want to. There was one week I was off, and I had it covered, man. I didn't have to help come in early for the sound or lights or anything. I just had it covered. And um, that was the hardest week for me because I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to be there. It was a total act of the will, like everybody else in the room, right? I had to get there because I wanted to be there. So we were late, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> It was hard getting out the door. I said, how can I be late? I'm two hours earlier. Most weeks, I can't even get there on time this week. What is going on, you know? And um, I realized that that's, that's kind of where everybody is. They make a choice on Sunday morning. They, do we go? It's an act of the will. And I was, I was sitting there. There's nothing like being like, on that side of the fence to teach you lessons about what, have, what you do up here. And I was sitting there. I was watching people come in. And they were just were fighting traffic and parking and just check their kids in and, and just getting out of the house. And they just sit down and it's like, ah. And the worship list says, stand up. It's like, ah. You know, and, and it's just like, I do that every Sunday. I don't have compassion for where they are. I just expected to flick a switch and get into passionate worship, go from zero to 60 in like two seconds. You know, and I'm out there like, wow, thank you, Lord. You know, I do that every week. So, 
it was kind of like, Rick, have compassion for the body. Have your pastor's heart go beyond what's going on up here. Th- apply it to the people out there. What sitting out there would you want to see from you up there? Would you want to just blow past, you know, hey, sing? Or would you want to remind them why they came, you know? You got out of bed and came here today for something. Holy Spirit's going to do amazing things in your life. Can you just focus on him? Just kind of wake him up slowly, you know? Just compassion for the people that are coming in. And like Brian said also, I, I, I totally agree with him. He was, he was using verses as the context, but... You know your worship songs, right? You know the, the, the package you have for that weekend. Maybe you're doing um, Came to My Rescue, you know, or something like that, where I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue, and I just want to be where you are. You know the people in your congregation, right, that, that need that song, or, you know, maybe they just got saved, and, you know, they're just so full of rejoicing. We'll sing with them, you know? That frees God up, the Holy Spirit, to do like a, uh, an X-factor thing through you. You know, there's, there's people that are rejoicing because something great just happened in their lives. And there's songs that are just like, wow, that's, that song would really apply to that person. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sing with them. You know, and it, it's, it's, like a, it's like something that forces you out of the music, you know, and into the congregation. And, 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 and being a pastor to them and having compassion from, where, you know, from what they're going through. Uh, so it's a little device that I have to use sometimes. Remember that, you know, they haven't been practicing worship songs for the last two hours. You know, they just came in and you want them to go. Help them through that transition time. Um, so anyway, we all, and I want, to, I want us to share now, but we all have practical um, ways in which we can um, be more authentic as worship leaders. I'll give you a couple of mine. God, you know, don't be an actor. Uh, God, you know, for a long time just said, dude, you were not worshiping. You were just making sure you weren't making any mistakes. You, know? you weren't really worshiping. All worship leading is is saying, you know, look at him. You're, you're just worshiping authentically in front of people. You know, but there's something they're latching on to through you to, to point to Jesus. Are you doing it authentically? I know... Um, and maybe you've all experienced this, you know, you've been to different churches or different scenarios where there's worship teams that are killer musically, but just nothing going on spiritually. Have you ever been in a place like that? I mean, they can, they can reproduce music. They can recite music really well, you know, but as far as leading worship, there's something that doesn't happen. Well, I, I think that is authenticity. You know, I think if you're authentic in your worship personally, what Brian was saying, that translates somehow through the music. It's like an intangible thing, but it works. Uh, you will be found also if, if, if you don't do that eventually. I mean, the music will carry you for a while, but people will stop following you because they can see it's not real after a bit, I found. Second of all, it's like my job to remind them why they're there. You're the leader. You know, God said, you know, I put you here for a reason, not just to recite the music. There's something about your personality, Rick. There's something about your gift mix that I can use to take people beyond the music and into the throne room of grace and worship me. And I'm here to say this morning, you all are that way, you know. Maybe you got into worship leading because you love music 
and you love Jesus and you wanted to bring the two together somehow. But I, I would bet, whether you found it yet or not, that God called you to this ministry for reasons that had very little to do with music. There's something about your personality. There's something about the way you invoke people to, to, to look at Jesus that he wants to use. If it stopped at music again, anybody could do it. It's good, good enough, you know? But there's, there's something deep. There's Holy Spirit. There's, there's an authenticity that you have to bring to it. And then God said, well, that's something I can use. You know, that's something I can use. Um, take your calling seriously, which you do or you wouldn't be here today. Uh, worship leaders move hearts. This is totally a plagiarism from Mars Hill. I'm going to read it anyway. Worship leaders move hearts for the glory of Jesus by being the zealous example of what it looks like to respond to, his, to what he has done. That's you. Worship leaders move hearts for the glory of Jesus by being the zealous example of what it looks like to respond to what he has done. Ooh, really? <laughs> Me? Yeah. God called you to be uh, a worship leader for reasons that go way beyond your ability musically. He sees something in you that is capable of moving hearts for the glory of God. If God told me anything, he said, Rick, you know, okay, we got the music thing down. Find those gifts that I've given you. I want you to cultivate them because you have compassion for, for the people that you're leading and lead zealously, you know, like a cheerleader in an F- football game or something, you know, just lead with passion. This is God we're talking, this is a high calling. You cannot just mail it in. You have to go to the next level. When I did that, you know, things started moving, you know, and it wasn't anything I could point to and say, do this and you'll get that, you know, but it was just a compassion for people. It It was authentic worship. I had to get there first before I let anybody else there. You've heard that before. So if um, you're bold in your leadership, people will follow. You know, the church will follow. They just will. Um, Because God promises to be with us. What I want to do now is just ask you, because you all are worship leaders, and a lot of this stuff is, you know, you've already been there and out the other side. Can you tell me... um, can share with all of us like ways that you kind of keep yourself focused in as much as it depends on you and congregational engagement. Things that you do to kind of keep yourself on track. Is anybody can yes sir? Thank you. My name is Matt. Um, just to share a little bit of my story. Uh, I started in college as, as a, kind of like a hired gun. And that hired gun mentality killed me. My first three years of ministry were completely ineffective because I would be musically proficient, uh, but people didn't know me. There was no buy-in. And so the thing I learned from that experience was challenged to have that pastoral heart like we're talking about. And worship leading happens really more the, the other times of the week than necessarily even in that moment. When people know you, they know your heart. Um, they, they understand, well, this person truly is passionate. It's not just a show. And that's just the thing that I was reminded about and you brought out again today. Thank you. Right there. He, uh, he 
Um, two things that I think are really are really simple, but they're very tangible um, as far as the congregational piece. Um, number one is the singability of the tunes and watching the keys that we're pitching them in. We've all been to things like Catalyst and events where, you know, these guys are singing these songs in Chris Tomlin's original key or higher. And it's just like, you know, you're just losing everyone. No one can sing that high. So singability, I usually do uh, like a high D as kind of like the cap just because, you know, when you're above that. And then second of all, is just repeating songs, something like having a smaller repertoire and doing it more often than having 190 songs in your repertoire that, you know, you're never singing the same song twice. I think that familiarity breeds um, engagement when you can just kind of, you know, step back from the mic and just hear the congregation just washing over you. It's like they're overpowering the sound system. It's like, well, that's one of the songs that they know. Like, that's, that's a win. So That's good. All goes back to that compassion for, for the congregation, you know? I mean, we know the song. We just practiced it on Wednesday night. We practiced again this morning. And we expect them to just dive right in. Have you planned something they could sink their, their teeth into and just throw their head back and worship God, you know? Or is it New Music Sunday every week? You know? And, and Chris Thomas sings higher than any man should. So, you know, have you brought the key down to... Yeah. So guys can, can access that. That's good. I'm Leon from Urban, and I, we went through a recent storm. And um, so I think I had a, a lot of compassion for my congregation. And it's the very obvious thing, prayer. And I live a mile from the church, and if I'm not doing nothing Saturday night, I'll go for my evening walk, or I'll go up to the church. I'll go in that sanctuary, and I'll just pace back and forth across the front of the church, lay my hands on and, and plan a blessing on each microphone, each piece of equipment that's there I go back through the pews and and just praying for all the people that are going to come into the sanctuary and worship that next morning uh, you won't believe how that changes your focus on the worship and it's much better yeah that's that's just real that's that's a pastoral heart that's very charismatic man don't let them know that you're doing that they might kick you out of it who else has something we can take take away based on your experience Yes, ma'am. I shouldn't say ma'am to somebody half my age. <laughs> um, I have the leisure of not being on every week, so I know for some of you guys that's not how it is. But um, Pastor Gary instituted something, oh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, about everybody picking a prayer shield. Everyone in the worship department needed a prayer shield. Someone committed to praying for them um, independent of necessarily an agenda but just you know as needs present and I have just found that that has been a tremendous difference to have an intercessor over us as a team um the things that I come up against in the weeks preceding my turn to be up front is just unparalleled in comparison to a week where I'm just a worshiper um I just really feel the spiritual warfare kind of heighten and some of the things that I come up against so and with that the inner then I'm free to intercede up front with a pastoral heart um out of compassion for the congregation because my own baggage has been addressed already in the spirit realm. So I would just strongly, if you have like any kind of intercessory team at your church, we're blessed here at Petra, but um, that has made a huge difference for me personally. Yeah, who, el- who else feels that like spiritual warfare going on when you're leading? You know, it just, it's, it's almost like <laughs> really Satan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean you just prove the existence of God by your, you know, 
the way you operate. But, but yeah, that's, that is so good, you know, and that's, that's part of leading, you know, going back to leadership, you know, I'm talking about leading a congregation, having compassion for them, but it's all leading your team, which ha- it's like all the building blocks before that little tip of the iceberg Sunday morning that have to happen authentically for Sunday morning to work, you know, and, and leading your team is, is like prayer warriors around what's going on. So, sir. Um, something that I sort of had to really get into learning how to be on the worship team is uh, just with the authentic worship, I can go into worship. I've been gifted enough that I can have my mind be somewhere else and still be able to play well enough for the song to go on. Um, But just have to take time before and recognize, just say, Lord, humble my heart, take away these distractions because I can be sitting there playing drums and be thinking about the homework I have to do later tonight. And, and the, the time when, not just my own worship, but even just seeing the worship of everybody out there is, is most honest and true is when I can sit there and play the drums and pray for someone I, I see out there who's worshiping instead of being so inwardly focused and, and not really attentive to what we're doing. I think focusing on the simplicity of what worship is. And, you know, sometimes when we build set lists and, you know, we start looking at music, we try and put so many other things into it that we're so focused on those things that we're not really focusing and helping our people to focus on the true purpose of worship. So just the simplicity, I know, for our people, um, both on the team and in the congregation, uh, that just really helps them to, to be engaged and and understand why they're there on a Sunday morning. So that, that has worked well. Sir. I'm sorry, you didn't have <laughs> No, that's fine. Um, something that I like to do is after I pick the set, um, and after we're done with practice, we've worked through it, we've spent time on each song and, and making sure we all know our parts, is that then during the prayer before we actually go on, I take some time and I lay, and I lay the set at the altar. And I lay this set down and say, God, you have given me this set and we have orchestrated it to praise you, God, but you take it and you go wherever you want with it. It's not, it doesn't matter that, you know, we have this song, you know, lined up next, you know, well, yes, I understand that you work through the organization beforehand, but if, you know, we're going to follow your heart, God. And if, if we think that your heart is to repeat this song 20 times, God, then, then we're going we're gonna to press in for more of who you are and press into what you want to do in our hearts. And maybe we need to jump around a bit, whatever. It's going to take a bit of musical gerrymandering or whatever. And, and we're just going to follow you, Lord. And we just lay this set at your feet because it's your, for, for your glory and not ours. So that's what I like to do. I was going to say, not even like, I don't lead, but even like a bit, like the biggest thing for me is this when I go up there is like, it's like, oh, oh this music's going to be awesome and you're going to go up there and be awesome. But it's like, wait, we? Wait, no, that's not right. It's all about God. It's like, you need to, like, I like, we almost do it every time, too, I think. Like, but just, we pray for humility because it's like, it's not, it's not anything about us. And it's not, that's not where it is at all. I mean, it's for God. And I can be like, out there and be like, yeah, I'm jamming out. And look at everyone's just like, I'm like, wait, that's not the point. (laughs) You just have to, like, I don't know, just keep that in your heart that it's like humility. That's a big thing for me to get used to. And it's great interacting. And, you know, it's not so much teaching, but you all have something. God has us all on a journey of, of becoming more kind of like 
spiritually proficient at what we do. And we can always take something home from each other, and that's kind of what we did here. Wasn't that cool? Hearing the perspective of other people. I would just say again, you know, um, you know, feel honored that God has chosen you, because he has. And it's, it's just hearing your, your hearts, you know, and, and what God is taking you through, there's, that's, that's why. Because you take it seriously, and you love the Lord, and you want to get better at what you do, and you realize that, it, you know, the music only takes you so far, but I've got to be authentic in the rest of it, you know. So, now, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time, Lord. Um, thank you for what we've learned from each other. And, uh, you know, really, I know everybody's here today. They, they want to be more effective for the kingdom. They all want to be little John the Baptists and say, hey, no, look at him, look at him, and be more effective at doing that. And so thank you, God, for what we've learned. Thank you for this time together, and bless our time going forward in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for taking time out of your day to grow with the worship fertilizer. With each fertilizer, you'll grow in worship, in musicianship, in leadership, in relationship. It'll be just what you need to grow. Be a part of this podcast by submitting your questions and comments to podcast at adlibmusic.com. You can also learn about further coaching opportunities at adlibmusic.com.